After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is a general partner of HMS Hawaii Management Partners, which is one of the leading venture capital funds in Hawaii. He was an early stage investor in two public companies, Digital Island and Hoku Scientific. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Bill Richardson. Welcome to our show, Bill. Thanks. So in your own words, can you tell us what a venture capitalist does? Well, there's lots of people's definition of it. I, I, I guess I would say that I'm more of a West Coast-style venture capitalist, and I'm in the what's called the early seed and early stage investment environment, where we try to take other people's money and accumulate it in a pool of funds that we then invest in what we believe to be promising high-growth companies run by strong management teams, help them grow, and then, in my case, pass them off to larger investors and, in some cases, onto the public markets if we're very lucky. So who would be an organization, or is it individuals that you're raising money from? Yeah, most of my um, limited partners are institutions, although there are uh, quite a number of high net worth individuals involved. The original investors were the State of Hawaii, Queens Hospital, Hawaiian Electric, Bank of Hawaii, and, and others. And when you become a venture capitalist, do you have contacts to these people with this money or do you just kind of go in cold and introduce yourself and try and build a relationship that way? Well, in my case, I was a little bit lucky because I was asked to join a partnership that was already in formation by my partner, Dick Gray, who had been invited by the state of Hawaii to participate and use some of the original Hawaii Strategic Development Corporation uh, funds that were allocated in the um, early 90s to build an entrepreneur and venture capital environment in Hawaii. And Dick had part of the money already raised. I think in general, you have to have quite a bit of contacts. I think most venture capitalists came out of very successful company operation companies or in some cases, big consulting companies. But venture capital didn't exist in Hawaii before I, I, I came on. And I happened to be in the right place at the right time. Can you explain for the layman out there why a venture capitalist is needed? Because a lot of people think, okay, if I'm going to start a business, maybe I'll go to a bank or you know, my friends or family or so on. Well, the model for growing high-growth entrepreneurial companies is a fairly standard one in Northern California and perhaps the Boston uh, Route 128 area, but it takes an awful lot of specialization in terms of helping Companies grow very rapidly. It requires a lot of contacts. It requires a deep Rolodex. It includes hiring the right people, um, getting the right funding sources in line, and sort of building it according to the uh, West Coast model because you cannot get follow-on financing. In, in, to back up a little bit, it takes somewhere between three and five rounds of financing generally to get to a public offering. And Hawaii doesn't have the capability to fund more than perhaps the A and B rounds. Um, so what you need is to build the company as if you were going to be a portfolio company 
you know, one of the large uh, venture capital funds in California. And so you have to build it in a very specialized way and you have to follow the rules because the California venture capitalists are looking for reasons not to do your business. And you don't want to give them the opportunity to pass on your business just because you had structurally formed your company in an incorrect way. And as a venture capitalist, you're looking at a specific reward. What What is that? Well, you're looking for a liquidity event, but you know that can take many forms. The, the, the way that I tend to look at it is that if you build a company as if you were going to become a public company and you put all the proper accounting structures in place and all the right capital structures in place, that if at some point along the line either the management wants to buy the company back from the investor group or if another larger competitor comes along and wants to buy you in an M&A situation, then you have the decision and you have the capability of continuing toward that public goal or selling the company. My experience is that the two companies that I've had had significant liquidities were gone through the public markets, although two of our companies were sold, but they tended to be sold in distressed situations. So as a venture capitalist, are you just looking at any company that might need funding, or are you specializing in a certain area like technology? Well, that's a long answer as well. You're looking for companies that have what I call an unfair advantage for a significant level of time because the only way you can really grow a company is it has to have a very high margin product and it has to be protected in that margin from other competitors. Otherwise, you cannot really sort of make a market with that company. So that forces you into tends to be high technology companies because those are the only ones that have either patent protection or business concept protection where they can grow very rapidly uh, free of competition and make it to the public markets. So that is part of the answer. The other part of the answer is being in Hawaii, we have to follow the kinds of strengths that exist in Hawaii. And you know, if you look at our environment, we have the ocean around us, so marine sciences and marine biotechnology and marine engineering are strong areas here. We also have a very strong communications department at the University of Hawaii, so telecommunications infrastructure has always been a good space to be in. And with um, other companies that are in the alternative energy, environmental remediation areas, we've had success uh, there as um, evidenced by Hoku. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Bill Richardson, a general partner of HMS Hawaii Management Partners, which is one of the leading venture capital funds in Hawaii. 
He is an active investor and mentor in Hoku Scientific and Juana Medical. So, Bill, as we're thinking about these companies that have gone public, that's a lot of business people's,、um, you know, that's what they're striving toward. How, how does this happen? You know, how did you link up with the people from Digital Island and, and create this and, and end up public in, in a short story? Well, my theory is the hardest thing to do is both recognize and get access to great ideas. You know, it happens in unusual and fortuitous ways sometimes. I mean, Ron Higgins was actually a classmate of mine at Punahou, and he went off to college, and I hadn't seen him for, boy, 15 years until he came back. And he was、uh, pitching his idea at that time, and I happened to be on his list of people that he would talk to. With Hoku Scientific, I think it was a little bit more self generated as I was involved with the founding of the High Beam Incubator. Which helped these kinds of companies get funded and properly structured by、um, people like Barry Weinman and Ron Higgins. And so Hoku was generated through a conscious effort on our part to build the infrastructure for Hawaii. So Hoku was more deliberate as Digital Island was more organic? Well, Digital Island was basically fortuitous because、um, Ron. Uh, wanted to live in Hawaii, and he came home with a great idea after、um, two or three other startups that he had experience with. And I happened to be one of the、um, only funds available in Hawaii. So, how does he contact you? He just calls you up and says, Hey, long time, no talk, and I want to show you something? Pretty much.、Um, I think we were first put together by John Chalk of the Hawaii Strategic Development Corporation. And then, what's the next step then? He, he shows you an executive summary, or you just chit chat? What happens? Yeah, I mean, he had a business plan in place, and he, actually, he already had an investor in place. And, and so, what we did is、um, our standard due diligence process is we explore the technology, see if you know, it, it fits within our criteria, do some significant due diligence on the management team, because I think management teams are probably the most key ingredient of、uh, rapidly growing companies. Then, we went through the、uh, negotiation process on pricing and budget. So, then you, you put some money into this company, and then what happens next? Well, in Digital Island's case, we'll use that as an example. We were involved with the A round and、uh, we also participated in the B round. But by the time the B round of investing came along, very large players on the mainland were getting involved with the company. It was a very strong idea. And at that point, we took a back seat and watched the very large venture capital funds like Bay and Com Ventures with Cliff Higgerson、um, take the company through the Third, fourth, and I think a crossover round of financing before they went public. And then, how was that for you? Because this was your first investment, right? As a venture capitalist. Well, it was one of the first three or four of our investments. And, you know, the effort to help Ron with his connections in Hawaii, he had been away from Hawaii for a significant period of time. So we helped him with banking relationships, setting him up with potential employees, accounting, accountants, leasing, help him find real estate. and Help them sort of navigate the political atmosphere that、uh, existed in Hawaii at that time. So, you're doing the good. You're helping guide these companies and these business owners. What do you get out of it? How would a capital investor make money from this? Well, we participate as equity investors. We're not lenders, so we don't lend money to companies. We participate as an equity holder together with the management team and other investors. And we don't win unless the entrepreneur wins. And that's what we call a Parallel of interests, and nobody wins unless everybody wins, kind of situation. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. 
After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with Monster so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Bill Richardson, general partner of HMS Hawaii Management. So, Bill, what is the difference in the IPO and kind of the ramp-up for IPO for Hoku Scientific as opposed to Digital Island? Well, Hoku um, is an interesting case. It doesn't really parallel the Digital Island situation as it was founded by, um, you know, Dustin may be irritated by me saying this, but a Hilo boy who had a lot of entrepreneurial experience and a lot of energy and had assembled a good scientific team and had been sort of growing his company organically for a short time. And we had been involved with him trying to help him out. And then he went and got some angel money from people like uh, Larry Johnson at Bank of Hawaii. And then you know, slowly building his company, got a good funding connection in Japan, and then closed their first real professional round of investing. Investing, and But at that point, the alternative energy space was so hot that they decided to go with an underwriter and actually use the IPO process as a funding source for growth, and which is generally done by venture capitalists. But in this case, because the market was so hungry for alternative energy companies, that they got their financing through a public mechanism, which is very good for everyone. They got enough money in the bank to execute on their strategy, and as far as I can tell, are doing a great job, and their stock is uh, stable. So if you look at Dustin Shindo and you look at Ron Higgins, what separates these entrepreneurs from other entrepreneurs trying to make it? Well, you know, when you sit with Ron and Dustin, you can almost feel their energy and their passion. And I think that that's really what makes it. I mean, they were willing to go to the wall and fight for their idea. And in addition to that, they were willing to hire intelligent, very intelligent people to work with them, very energetic people. And they were great motivators for those people once they came on. You know, it's sometimes I wonder if entrepreneurs are born rather than made. I think Ron really made himself into an entrepreneur and, and considers entrepreneurship a sort of a professional practice, like being a lawyer or an accountant. I don't know about Dustin. I haven't had as many deep conversations with him, but I believe that he was really made as an entrepreneur. He has just got the personality to build things, and he's he's very good at it. How about for you, though? Because you started off um, as an attorney, and then you made your route to a venture capitalist, which is basically an entrepreneur as well and a coach to entrepreneurs. And how was that for you? <laughs> well, that's that, again, that's a, a little bit of a long story. I went to law school because I didn't have anything else to do out of undergraduate school, and I figured it's better than getting a job. About the third day of law school, I figured that I didn't really want to be a lawyer, but I owed it to my father and others to finish it out. So I did finish law school. Um, when I graduated from law school, I figured I'd practice law for two or three years to give it a fair shot, but I always had business on my mind. Um, I also had other things on my mind, like helping the Hawaii economy grow and 
and um, sort of helping the Hawaiian nation, if you want to call it that, um, so you're always get back big on picture. its feet. Yeah, I've always been sort of a big picture person. So, you know, I fell into it. I, I'm a big believer that um, you get two or three or four chances in your life to move ahead. And if you spend the first 10 or 15 years of your career, say from 20 to 35, filling your quiver with as many as strong arrows as you can, that sooner or later a great opportunity will come forward. And you have to have both the ability to recognize that as a great opportunity and the tools to perform at that level. So um, I got lucky. And lots of people say, you know, the harder you practice, the luckier you get. What's the story behind that? How did you become the venture capitalist? Someone approached you? What's the story? Yeah, you know, it's a long story. A friend of a friend said, you ought to go see Bill Richardson. Uh, this was Dick Gray, who has been working with HSDC. And I had seemed to have had the right skills and the right temperament and the right connections to be a, um, a positive partner for him. And it seemed, it's worked out very well. Um, lucky. Being that you describe it like that, what kind of temperament does a venture capitalist need? What kind of skills would one need? Well... That's a tough one. I mean, you certainly have to be a very supportive person and be willing to take a background position because you don't want to ever sort of stand in front of the entrepreneur. You really want the entrepreneur to build his business. But you have to be there to support him in any way you can. And when I first started, what I brought to the party was a little bit of legal experience, some finance experience from my previous working, and a lot of connections in Hawaii. Since then, I've hoped I've developed a lot more in terms of understanding how to avoid mistakes. In an entrepreneurial company, you cannot afford to make strategic mistakes and go two or three months down the road uh, with a, a, a wrong decision. You have to be able to quickly adapt to the situation. And if you're going down the wrong road, recognize it and get out of there as fast as you can. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Bill Richardson, founding member of Highbeam. So, Bill, could you share with us your feelings on community service and your career? How does it intertwine? Well, I come from a very long line of politicians and very community active people, and I've always felt it a duty that I would try and return as much as I could to my community. 
I did spend the seven years of my education and about seven years away uh, working in a corporate world with Wang Laboratories, but I've always wanted to come back to Hawaii. I wanted to raise my kids here. I, I thought it was a great experience for myself. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, to do something that could help my community. So I wanted to, don't get me wrong, I'm not purely altruistic. I wanted to get rich and help my community at the same time. What's your feeling on businesses combining their community service together? You know, I think that's very important. I think that honor is a very big part of uh, great entrepreneurship, and people recognize that in others. And I've tried to live my life so that, you know, I'm giving both to the community and to the companies that I'm with uh, my best effort. So where does the Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii come into all this? How does that work? You know, what, is, what are they doing? Well, when John Dean came to me with the idea, I just, it was a very compelling idea. It was modeled after the Silicon Valley Entrepreneurs Foundation, and we've had great success with it. The premise is that many of the large Hawaiian companies were being bought by international or national conglomerates. And when, when that happens, the sort of the giving base of those local Hawaii corporations tends to be diluted and they tend to lose focus on local charitable giving. And we saw that as Bank of Hawaii and, I'm sorry, First Hawaiian Bank and others um, of the big five were being purchased out external to the state, that there was a, a gap being created of community giving. So the goal of the Entrepreneurs Foundation is to sort of get the next wave of large corporations that will be in Hawaii to start building a mechanism for giving, so both for their employees and for the company management, that we would try and help each of these companies by, first of all, taking a small portion of their equity when they're first getting started, and then once they do gain liquidity in, in the situation of Hoku Scientific, a public offering, we were able to exchange that equity for significant funds, which were half returned to the company to start their own 501c3 giving entity, and also to help the Entrepreneurs Foundation to expand its efforts to help the companies that are in our portfolio to do sort of employee-based giving or charitable efforts in I don't know, the food drive or, or you know, anything that, what is, that those companies would like to do. What does that mean, employee-based giving, though? So it would be matching funds for employees wanting to do charitable giving or to support them in organizations? What, is, what does it do? Well, we're not trying to dictate how a company's employees use their monies in a charitable basis. But what we wanted to do was to provide as many opportunities as we could for those companies because when you're in an entrepreneurial company, it's very easy to get caught up in what you're doing and to overwork. And most of the people there are type A, and, and they don't have an opportunity to sit back and think about their community. So if you provide them opportunities to get involved with community efforts, it starts a culture of giving. And when those companies become large, the company will have that culture in place and will then start supporting our community as they go forward and grow. And how are you able to manage your time? Because you're very busy with your career as a venture capitalist, and then you're still giving back to the community with the Entrepreneurs Foundation. How do you balance that? Well, you know, I'm very careful on, on the types of charities I've done. You know, because I had some health issues, my first charitable organization that I got involved with was the National Kidney Foundation. And then I sat with Hospice Hawaii, also did um, some work with the UH Foundation, and I'm currently working on the EF Hawaii, and that's in addition to the high beam effort. So can you share with us maybe your personal story of why the Kidney Foundation is important to you? Sure. I'll give you two examples. When my mother was ill in um, the mid-'70s, Hospice Hawaii was a great 
organization for her. And so I felt that that was something that I wanted to be involved with. And then I myself also got kidney disease. And in fact, I have um, a kidney transplant and two artificial hips. So I felt that the Kidney Foundation could use my help. And so I spent six years with the Kidney Foundation. And I, I tend to do my charitable efforts in a sequential way. So I started with the Hospice Hawaii. I went to the Kidney Foundation. Then I did UH Foundation. Then I did High Beam. And now I'm currently involved with the Entrepreneurs Foundation. But I have to be very careful about my time and because if I'm going to get involved with an organization, I want to give it my best effort. So what's the criteria you determined to kind of the method behind that madness? Why did you <laughs> determine it in that order? Fortuitous, I, again, you know, I think it was just the right thing came to light um, when I was ready to move on to a new charity. And I tend to spend five to six years or so with each of the charities. And then, you know, I'll be looking for my next one, but it's probably another couple of years away. So when we're doing these types of charitable and community type interaction, I know that there are a lot of benefits that come back that may not necessarily be direct or just things just start to work better. It's hard to explain if you're not doing it, but have you seen that in your own experiences? Well, that's an interesting question because, you know, I never go into it thinking that I'll gain connections or I'll gain some benefit for me. It's always that I think it's a great organization and I want to do as much as I can for my community. But as with all efforts like that, lots of it comes back to you. And, and it, it's very nice to see that, but that's not the reason why I think anyone does it. So you'd recommend for people to do it even if they're super busy? Absolutely. I, it keeps you grounded, keeps you balanced. Other than wives, it's the only thing that keeps you on the ground. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio, Hawaii.